welcome to the Practical Research Parenting Podcast. Here's your host, Nicole Weeks. Hello, this is a bit of a different podcast today. I'm not interviewing an expert. I'm sharing what I've learned. So as many of you probably know, I initially did a lot of research into sleep because uh, I had my own sleep issues. Um, so I looked into what is normal sleep for babies and kids, why are new mums perpetually sleep deprived due to night wakings and early rises, why can bedtime be so difficult, and of course, what we can do about it all. Well, I learned a lot through that research and shared a lot of it already, but I've since put it all together and presented my conclusions to local preschools, so I thought it was about time that I shared it with you too. So when I was really delving into common sleep problems and solutions to compile the sleep options wizard, it really brought home to me that there isn't one solution to fit all. In fact, some solutions that are great for one cause of sleep issues can make another cause worse. Before you choose your solution, you really need to understand the problem. I've concluded that there are three main causes of sleep issues, and each requires a different approach. Today I'll share the three main causes of sleep issues and at least one solution for each one. So, the three main causes of sleep issues are physical, emotional and habitual. I know they sound really broad, but I find those categorizations really helpful because each is best treated with a particular and different approach. Physical issues include medical issues, physical comfort such as too hot, too cold, wet, itchy or hungry. A lot of these things you've probably played with yourself. Um, For example, I've found my son sleeps better when I worry about him being too cold, whereas my daughter sleeps better when I worry about her being too hot. So I've learnt that they run at different temperatures and I accommodate for that in how I dress them. And you've probably done similar things with your children. Medical issues is not something I've done much research into and they aren't included in the sleep options wizard apart from night terrors, nightmares, sleep apnea and headbanging. A common medical condition in children is sleep apnea, which is present in one in every two young children who snore regularly. For more information on that, you can check out my podcast at www.practicalresearchparenting.com forward slash sleep app. So that's just sleep AP. Um, That's where I interview Dr. Chris Seaton, a pediatric and adolescent sleep physician. One of the biggest physical causes of sleep issues, though, are the biological sleep processes. So their circadian rhythm and sleep pressure. If your child's not biologically ready for sleep, it doesn't matter what you do, they will not sleep. So this is the first place I like to look, because if your child's not ready for sleep when you're putting them down for sleep, they're likely to get angry at you for trying to make them go to bed, and they're likely to lack the patience to stay quietly in bed, leading to habits like getting out of bed. So the physical cause can look like or lead to emotional or habitual issues too. I won't go into details here, but the trick is to align both sleep pressure and circadian rhythm. I've created a free video and email series to help you understand sleep pressure and circadian rhythm and to track them in your child. If there is any chance that your child's not able to sleep when you're putting them down, even if they seem tired, I'd recommend you start there. So you can go to www.practicalresearchparenting.com forward slash first step to watch the first video and sign up for the series. So that's first step. I'll include all those links in the show notes too, and you can find them at www.practicalresearchparenting.com forward slash three sleep issues. So that's the number three sleep issues. So if it's a physical cause of sleep issues, the best solution is an appropriate change to timing, such as when they sleep or when they wake, or to the physical environment, such as the temperature of the room, the lighting, or the types of clothes they wear, or what they eat during the day. 
Emotions are another big cause of sleep difficulties. At night, it's dark and quiet. Without the noise and activity to distract them, babies and children can become acutely aware of their emotions. And as they get older, they can start to think over events or possibilities that were scary or sad or exciting, bringing up emotions that they didn't get time to fully process during the day. If these emotions are unpleasant, unfamiliar or just too stimulating, this can make it difficult to sleep. Some common triggers for difficult emotions are separation anxiety, processing fears and upsets, a loss of security such as leaving mum's or dad's arms, moving from a cot to a bed or moving into a new room are all experienced as a loss of security. Other triggers are a major change such as a new baby or moving house and also excitement which can take time to calm down from. For emotional issues, the first place I like to start is during the day and then at bedtime and only then overnight if necessary. One of the worst things you can do for emotional issues, especially if they're separation related, is to try hardline approaches like cry it out or control crying. This can make the issue much worse because it's proving that their fear of being left alone with these big scary emotions is a real concern. If you suspect emotions the issue, during the day it's really important to empathise with your child. Help him or her to accept, name and process big emotions so they're less likely to come back up at night. Notice that I said big emotions, I didn't say big problems. Um, Children can have big emotions to what seem to us to be very small problems. You can also help your child to practice self-settling in easy, achievable ways during the day. I've created a free downloadable for three easy ways to incorporate self-settling practice during the day. It's called Three Skills to Teach During the Day for Better Sleep at Night. You can access that at www.practicalresearchparenting.com forward slash download. Or if you're already a subscriber at www.practicalresearchparenting.com forward slash subscriber n dash portal. So that's subscriber dash portal. If you're still having trouble at night, you can go back and look at the physical readiness for sleep or try Sarah Blunden's Sensible Sleep Solution, which is featured on a couple of podcasts at www.practicalresearchparenting.com forward slash sleep solution. So if it's an emotional cause, it's better suited to a gentle, gradual bedtime approach, combined with empathy and self-settling skills practice during the day. The final cause is habitual. This includes a couple of main components. Firstly, there may be a habit that you and your child have formed, such as co-sleeping, rocking to sleep, patting to sleep, etc. I want to first say that a habit is not a problem. If these behaviours are working for you and your child, they're not a problem. I still co-sleep occasionally. I still read and sing my kids to sleep. This is what works for me and my kids right now, so it's not a problem. I often hear the warning that if you let them into your bed, you'll never get them out again. I take a different approach. From two years old and onwards, it gets easier and easier to communicate expectations and boundaries. If your approach is working for you now, it'll probably be easier to change in the future, so why not enjoy it? In my view, helping your child sleep is only a problem if A, you don't enjoy it or you don't have time to do it, or B, if it causes night wakings where your child wants to be helped back to sleep and these are really disruptive for you. So that's one component of habitual cases, the habits we form together, which, like any habits, are hard to break. Especially hard to break if one party particularly enjoys and would like to keep that habit. The second is boundary testing. This was described really nicely to me by Dr. Ashley Sutherland in the podcast at www.practicalresearchparenting.com forward slash boundary. Ashley said that exerting an independent thought, preference or action is a new skill for children. 
And just like when children learn to stand up, they want to practice their new skill all of the time. If this is the case for you, incorporating reasonable choices throughout the day and in the bedtime routine may help, along with other suggestions from the Boundary Testing Podcast episode. Whether the cause is a habit or a boundary testing behaviour, one approach is really helpful, and that's setting and communicating clear expectations. And one of the best ways to do this for children over six months is through modelling. I have a post and video on that at www.practicalresearchparenting.com forward slash model. Prior to that six months for babies, often the only way to communicate those sort of expectations is repeated behaviour. So an approach like the sensible sleep solution that I mentioned earlier might be better for the younger children. So to summarise, if it's a physical cause, look at hunger, lighting, timing, temperature and the like. If it's an emotional cause, provide emotion training during the day and go easy on them at night. And if it's a habitual cause, set very clear expectations. Since I know all this, my kids have been perfect sleepers, right? Wrong. I get sleep issues fixed and it's really pleasant for a time and then something has to change again. Um, To be honest, sometimes I feel embarrassed to say that I sell a sleep product given that my kids aren't always perfect sleepers. But then I realised that the sleep options wizard isn't a magic sleep technique. It's a guidance tool. Whenever my kids have sleep issues, I know at least two approaches that I can try to address them. That's what I provide through the sleep options wizard. It's a diagnostic and suggestion tool. I've piled everything I know into the sleep options wizard so that it'll help you to figure out what the problem is and what approaches might help you fix it. It goes into a bit more depth than the three broad categories for diagnosis and it gives a lot more suggestions than I've mentioned here. You can access it at www.practicalresearchparenting.com forward slash sleep options wizard. And to access any of the links that I've mentioned in this podcast, you can go to the show notes at www.practicalresearchparenting.com forward slash three sleep issues. So that's the number three sleep issues. If this information has been helpful, please let me and others know by sharing it on social media and leaving me a review in iTunes. Thank you so much for listening.